Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Would you please give a, a warm welcome to Pastor Olin Griffin? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. And um, all the credit goes to the Lord and, um, and my wife. I'll, I'll, I, she travels with me 99% of the time. And uh, no matter where we go. Well, there's a few places we go. She won't, she won't go. And um, they're too little too dangerous to go in some of the places. So we leave her at home. We left her here about a year, two years ago, left her in, in uh, Jerusalem. And another fellow and I went into Ramallah and some of the, some of the West Bank area. And, um, and so we didn't take her then. And she was happy not to go. Not, not a problem. But I, I really do appreciate being able to come and share with you. I'm, I'm just going to share with you uh, what's on my heart and um, something that's been part of my life for um, 40, 50 years that's really been on my heart. And um, I think that it's best explained like this. When I was a little boy, I'd go to the grocery store with my mother and uh, oftentimes I would find things that I would put in the basket and she didn't realize it was there until she got to the checkout counter. But one day I saw um, a packet, a, a box of postoses. And um, I recalled that having, uh, on Saturday mornings, uh, I, we didn't have television, but we had something even better than that. We had radio plus imagination. And... Uh, and so uh, I, I loved things like Superman and, and uh, uh, anything that had to do with, with flying. And so on the post-toasty box, it, it, it said airplane included or inside. And I, I, was, I thought, I've got to have that thing. And so I got it off the shelf and took it and when mother wasn't looking put it in the, in the basket she got there she looked at me like what are you doing and I said please mom I, I want it but I got home and opened the box and I ran my hand down through the cereals I, I, could, I couldn't find anything and I got a big bowl and emptied the cereal out in the end of the bowl and how many of you know if you do that it's hard to get the cereal back in it really is hard but anyway, I, I, I looked at the, in the bottom, and flat on the bottom of the box was this little sort of a wax paper thing, really thin. And you pull it, open it up, and inside was this cardboard airplane, just flat, perforated. You had to pull the, the cardboard away from it. And, and all it had was on the fuselage, it was perforated where you could pull it open carefully and slide the little wing through that you had also taken off of a perforated board and slide the little wing through it, and that was your airplane. But that wasn't enough. When I was trying to get it apart for the 
wing to go through, I tore it. And and I, I didn't, nothing's going to work. I mean, we didn't, scotch tape, I'm not going to have scotch tape on my airplane. I tried a little glue and everything else, and I was just so disappointed. I was expecting something that 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 didn't come about. And and I feel like today that some of those kinds of things happen in our in our relation to Jesus and to to church. And we 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 get our imagination going and we and we think, boy, uh, I'm gonna go to church and this is gonna happen. I'm gonna give my life to Jesus and and we think that it's gonna be a smooth road and there's no rocky road to it and and no dips and just all 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 up, you know and and it and it doesn't turn out that way. And sometimes we get a little discouraged and wonder, what is what is church life all about? And and I'm I'm not talking I'm not talking about this church compared to that church or any church compared to any other church. I'm just talking about church life in general. Because listen, when 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 Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, he died for all of mankind. And we know on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. But all those 3,000 people were not from Jerusalem. They had come in from other countries around. And they went home. It wasn't a big body of people. It never was. Paul would start churches with 12 people and, and, and 10 people and five families and start churches like that. And it, and it just spread all over the world. In fact, Paul was called at one time a, a fellow that was turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ, and and it was just done in a in a in a wasn't a big organized way like we see today. And I am not against that the organization. We've got to have organization. But before we have organization, there's got to be something else that takes place on the inside. We've got to have life. We're not just a corporation. We're not just a business. We bear the body of Jesus Christ, his life, and we bear the Holy Spirit. And we, 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 his presence is what makes the difference. And we can have everything we need, but if we don't have his presence in our congregation it's, and in our lives, personal lives, it's really not worth anything. And we look at the United States, and we've been here for, for 2,000 years, 200 years, excuse me. We've been here for 240-something years, and, and, and what has the church done? What have we accomplished as the body of Christ in our nation? And we, we look at it and it's worse today than it was back then. Our morals have slid to an all-time low in, in our nation. And everybody is doing what they feel like they want to do. Whatever's in their heart to do it, they just do it. And it, don't bug me with it, it they'll say, because I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to float my own boat. I'm going to be the captain of my boat. That's where we are today. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. And you would think that Christianity in 240-something years, you would think that we were making an impact on America and we're not making that kind of an impact. And all I'm saying is what is wrong with the church today? And I don't want to say what is wrong with it. There's a many good things right about the church. But there is something I feel like, something that is missing that we're not really looking into with expectation that God is going to do something beyond what we can do. We are great organizers. And we have, we have, 
We have met in stadiums. We have printing presses. We have the Internet. We have television. We, we, we've gotten the gospel out every way we know how to get it out, and yet it has not changed our nation. We're worse off now than we were before. What's going on? What's happening? And I want to, I want to address that for just a moment that we could add something to the greatness of what we have today. And I'm, I'm saying we have, some, we have great churches, and this is a great church. I love the worship. Thank you. The presence of God, I could sense the presence of God here this morning. It has been beautiful. But I want to I approach something with you that I believe will change the direction of the United States of America and every nation in the world. Because this is what God designed for the body of Christ. We look in, in Acts chapter 15, verses 11 to 17, and we will notice something. Paul and, is, and Barnabas is back in Jerusalem. They've been on a missionary trip. They've been telling Jews and Gentiles alike that Jesus Christ is Lord. He, he's the Messiah, and uh, he's came to save them. Is starting churches. At this point in time, he had started roughly nine churches. But what happened was some of the Jews were following him around. And when he would leave, he would start a church. By the way, do you know that, that um, he, could, he would start a church in five months and leave it? Five months and leave it. And um, started some in four months and leave them. But he would go back later. What, what happened? What was, what was the element that, that was in it? He is now at Jerusalem giving a report to the, to the church in Jerusalem, which was the mother church, was giving a report to them what was happening because these people who were Jews were following him around and telling the people where he had started churches, don't believe Paul because it is not true what he is saying. It is just not true. And Paul... Is, is saying we've, we've got to get things straightened up here. He's going around and he's telling Gentiles and Jews alike, of course, that in order to be saved, you've got to be circumcised. Uh, we, that wouldn't go over too big today, I don't think, with, with anyone. But, but, but you've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep all the laws and everything else. And you can't believe what Paul is saying about the grace of, of, of God. So they, they're here in Jerusalem and, they're, and they've given some testimonies, and notice in verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of God, this is, this is um, uh, Paul talking, we believe that through the grace of the Lord, that Jesus Christ, um, in, in Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent. They're talking about the Gentiles being saved in the same manner as the Jews. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring, well, notice this, how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree as it is written. Now he's going to quote something that's from the prophets. And this is what it says. After this, I will, re will return 
and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Now this is the report. What did they first report? Signs and wonders, miracles were happening. People were being healed. People were being saved. Miracles were taking place. People with leprosy were being cleansed. All of this was happening. And he said, this, this, this happens to Gentile as well as to Jewish people. And he said, listen, there is something that God is doing right now, and what he is doing is that he is restoring the tabernacle of David so that, listen to this, so that the rest of mankind will be saved. Do what? What is this tabernacle of David? He quoted a prophet. We have to go back to the Old Testament to see what the tabernacle of David was about, to understand what Paul was telling the church in Jerusalem. So when we, we do that, we go back and look in Amos. Amos chapter 9, verse 11. This is what uh, they were quoting in Jerusalem. On that day, I will raise up, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will repair its ruins, and I will rebuild it as in the days of old. Whoa, hold on just a minute. Re here, I thought Amos was the days of old. Amos is talking about something even farther back. I thought we'd just go to the Old Testament and we'd find something and that'd be it. No, he said, that there's, as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. That would be Gentiles. For And all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, in verse 13, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, that the, the mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. But notice what he said, that we could possess all of the remnant of Edom, all of the Gentiles who are called by, by name. And he goes right into a picture Behold, he says, the days are coming that the Lord, when the, uh, says the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper. Do you know what he's saying right here? That this tabernacle of David that he's talking about is, is not the, the usual thing. It's not the natural thing. It is a supernatural thing. Because he says that, that the one who is, who, who is harvesting the, or the plowman will overtake the one who is reaping. So you've got one guy that's got his sieve out, sieve out, and he's cutting the, the grain, moving along, and the plowman bumps up to him in the, in, in the, in the back like that and says, hey, get up, move on. Hurry up. We've got to get the harvest in. I am planting the seed right behind you. We know that there is a law, seed time and harvest. And, and Jesus even spoke of it. Said, uh, he said, hey, there is a harvest that is coming. You say, well, wait, we'll wait four months and then the harvest. No, no. The harvest now is ripe. It is ready to be taken in. And the guy is taking in the harvest and he's being bumped by someone planting the seed. The, he, he overrules seed time and harvest when it comes to the harvesting of souls in the United States of America, in, in, in Houston, Texas, 
in Kima, Texas. He overruled. We don't have to wait. They are ripe unto harvest right this very moment. But there is something that we're, we're missing, and that is the principle of the tabernacle of David. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, when, when any time that someone is bumping them that way, moving on, there is no four months in between. It is immediate. And God is ready for the church to act like the church was acting in the, in the, in the Bible and to see people get saved by the droves. And I do believe that that day is coming, and we're going to see it before long with our own eyes. And I'm 80 years old, and God has promised me that I'm going to see that kind of a revival in the nations before the coming of the Lord and before I go to be with him. It's going to happen. We're going, we're going to see it. So let's notice in, in uh, First Chronicles uh, chapter 16. This is in the old. Go back. That is, that is old time. Excuse me. Let me re release my bottle. Have you ever seen preachers uh, get a bottle of water and need to take a drink? They un undo the bottle, but they set it down and never go back to it. That's how I usually do. Okay. In, in chapter 16 of First Chronicles. So they brought the ark of God and they set it in the midst of the tabernacle of David. That the, of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he distributed to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every man a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins, or to everyone. And he appointed some of the Levites, now notice this, and he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord, to commemorate, to thank, and to praise the Lord God of Israel. <clears throat> There's three things that I would like for you to notice here, and you can, you're going to be able to remember them easily. Presence, priest, praise, three Ps wouldn't be a good Baptist if you didn't have three P's or three R's or three Q's or three whatever in preaching. Remember those three things because those are the elements of the tabernacle of David. It is called the tabernacle of David because David built a, a tent and brought the Ark of the Covenant, which had been lost to the um, enemy, had been lost to the enemy, and brought that Ark of the Covenant back put it in Jerusalem, and put it under a tent. At one time, it was in the tabernacle of Moses, but it was, that was lost from there. Excuse me again. <coughs> but it was lost from there. Oh, I'm tempted to not drink it. I've got to drink it. So, so now then, he just has this tent. There's not a veil. You know, you've, you've studied the temple. You, you know about the, the, the tabernacle of Moses. There was the outer court. There was the, it, there was the holy place, and there was the holy of holies. And between the holy place and the holy of holies was a veil. There's no veil here in the tent. In other words, in this tent that he made, it was just open. And he had the Levites or the priests to come and to worship there 24 hours a day and before the presence of the Lord and just simply give him thanks, just simply minister to him. These are the three elements 
of the tabernacle of David. And you say, how in the world, how in the world does, does, does that, that affect me? What was the Ark of the Covenant anyway? Did any of you ever see uh, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark? You saw that. And uh, Indiana Jones. It's, they're, they're still showing it today, but I saw it when it first came out. And I was moved by it because I had been studying on the Ark of the Covenant and, uh, and I thought, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, what is it, what is it about? Do you remember when the Germans had it? And uh, they were so proud of getting it, and they were in this big cave or some, some big place. And they opened the lid. How many of you remember, remember seeing that? Do you know what was in the lid? The law was in the lid. There were three things, but the law was in the lid, the tablets of the law. They were under the lid. They lifted the lid, and when they did, their faces began to go like bulging, and eyes began to run down their faces. And did, who's not seen that? Who's, who's not seen that? You've not seen it? You've got to see that, man. That, listen, that, that was terrible. And these people just started exploding, boom, like, like that. It was, just, it was, it was bad. That they did it. They set the the ark, the, the the lid back on the ark, which is called the the mercy seat, and they put it back on the on the ark, and then the ark got lost someplace. Any, anyway, the ark was about uh, four foot long, somewhere roughly, not exactly, about four feet long, and about two and a half feet tall, and about two and a half feet wide, and it was made out of wood, covered in gold. And the lid on it was made of solid gold, the mercy seat. Had an angel on each side of it. God told Moses in, in Exodus 25, told Moses to build that, that Ark of the Covenant. Because he said, I will meet with you there between the wings of the cherubim and I will meet with you and commune with you and talk with you. In other words, God is going to be there like he wasn't any place else. That's what we call the manifest presence of God. You see, there is, a, there is an omnipresence of God, and these, this is the foundation to it. There is the omnipresence of God, and there is the manifest presence of God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and verse 1, the scripture says this. So they brought the ark of God, and they set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it, and then they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So now we, we want to define the presence. There's the omnipresence of God, and there is the manifest presence of God. In Psalms 149, verses 7 to 8, Where can I go, David said, from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. God is everywhere. You know that. He is in Canada like he is in Russia. He is in, in Kima like he is in somewhere in Mexico. He is, he is everywhere all at the same time. And whenever we come together, the scripture tells us where two or more are gathered together in the name of the Lord, he is there. I, I agree with that. You, but, but there is something that happens when the two who come together honor him 
and he manifests his presence in their midst. He, in other words, he is revealed. In other words, he heals people. In other words, he speaks into people's lives. He transforms people's lives. He saves people. And things begin to happen. It's like popcorn taking place in, the, in a meeting. You get together where two or more gather together, and you begin to honor him turn your face to him and say we come to you as a group of people with expectation then God begins to do things that he wasn't doing so the manifest presence of God different from the omnipresence of God the manifest presence of God is that God reveals himself and shows himself he shows himself through signs and wonders and miracles and one of the things with the church today is that we have no longer the miraculous church that God created it to be. And I'm not trying to judge it, hear me. But we can, I'm talking about Methodist, Catholic, Baptist. I'm talking about Church of Christ. I'm talking about across the board. We are not the miraculous church that you see in the Bible. You know, maybe we, someone, we see someone gets healed once in a lifetime. And we talk about that. But how about someone being healed or restored and being transformed and, and having depression to the point that they're going, wanting to commit suicide and suddenly they're in the midst of the presence of God and the people of God are worshiping Him and they're touched and they're healed and instantly just like that. That's what God is saying. That God wants to restore the miraculous to the body of Christ and, that is, and that's His manifest, that's His manifest manifest presence of God. I remember when I was a state trooper uh, back in the 60s, uh, I joined the Optimist Club. And I, I remember this story later as I was studying this passage. I joined the Optimist Club for, to, for good uh, um, relations with the DPS. Anyway, um, they welcomed me at the door. And the uh, had a seat for me. I sat down at the table, and it's, they had a, a monthly meeting at noon, and um, they uh, sang a song, sang some songs, and had some announcements, and and uh, had a prayer for the meal. And um, after the after the meal, they had uh, someone speaking, a good speaker on some thing uh, of service to the community. And afterward, they gave you an opportunity to join the Optimist Club. So when I first went to the church that, that where I was saved and born again, which, which was after I was with DPS um, and was saved and born again, um, I, I thought the church is the same way. Someone's at the door. They lead us to a seat. You know, they make announcements. We sing a song. We take communion. Someone preaches, and they give you an opportunity to join the church. And I thought, what is the difference between the two? The difference between the two is one has the manifest presence of God and the other just the presence of God, who is not just, but the presence of God everywhere. And the tabernacle of David was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, let's get back to it. That mercy seat was said was there for the purpose of putting the blood of a bull on that mercy seat once a year on the Day of Atonement to atone for everybody's sins for the next year. And the next year you had to do it all over again. Next year you had to do it all over again and you had to remember all of your sins back to the first year that was covered by the blood of the bull. That's atonement. That's not forgiveness. It's atonement. It's putting your sin off to the future. 
Right? Y'all got that? What was under that blood? The law. So when those guys opened that, the lid and they went down like sort of all that's begin to happen, what they got exposed to the law without the blood. If we're not exposed to the blood of Jesus and we're still under the law, we'll never make it. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God it is the blood of Jesus Christ. And you remember when, when the, the Ark of the Covenant got returned by the Philistines and, they, and, they op- and the, the, the Israelis were so excited, they tore up the cart that the Ark was on and they made a fire and they sacrificed the bull to, or the cow to, to the Lord. And they opened the mercy seat up and would you know how many men from the tribe of, of Aaron or from Aaron's lineage, do you know how many men died that day when they opened the lid? This is in the Bible. 50,750. 50,750 men, they opened the lid to the ark. They got exposed to the law without the blood and 50,000 people died. Yeah, aren't you great? Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Aren't you thankful that He shed His blood and He put it on the mercy seat in heaven? Aren't you excited? But because of that, we can experience the manifest presence of God because Jesus is now. Guess what? He is now our ark. He is now the ark of the covenant. I want you to. I want you to look with me in Romans three twenty five. Romans 3, uh, verse 25. He says, Whom God set forth, talking about Jesus, as a propitiation by his blood through faith and to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. You see, if you don't understand the Old Testament, you don't understand what Paul is saying here. Notice it says, because in his forbearance, God had in the past passed over the sins that were previously committed. Talking about the blood of bulls had previously passed over that. But now then, he says, oh, but God has set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. You know what the word propitiation means? Well, say it with me. Propitiation. Say it again. Propitiation. Oh, you got a, you got a big word with me. Say it one more time. Propitiation. You know what that means in the Greek? Someone take a guess. Mercy seat. What? Mercy seat? It is not only mentioned there, but it is, it is, it is mentioned one time in Hebrews and two times in 1 John. The very same word, and every time it uses the word propitiation, it is in the Greek, mercy seat. So guess what? Jesus is now the Ark of the Covenant. Guess what we do as the body of Christ, whether there be five of us, ten of us, a hundred of us, five hundred of us, five thousand, thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand. We make a way. Excuse me, I'm, 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 I can't handle it being good. But he, they, God, listen, God makes a way for us to come together wherever we are 
whether it's in a home group, whether it's at church, in a, in a prayer meeting at church, in a worship service at the church, we come with expectation. Because guess what? Jesus' blood is on the mercy seat. He made a propitiation for us. Spread it out for our sins that we have committed, we have and are committing, and ever will commit. Every sin has been dealt with by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? We, we can come to the throne boldly before him. And we need to come, that's according to Hebrews, we need to come with expectation that when we come, that we're not just going to say, well, Jesus is here. Oh, good. Yeah, where is he? I, I remember... Uh, telling this one time that we had a we have very wealthy guy that came to our church and and uh, I didn't know who he was I was just told that he was going to visit years back uh, and and I made up this imaginary story about it so someone comes to me and says do you know there's a very wealthy person here he's a billionaire oh really where is he well I, I don't know he's, he's somewhere around here but he's in the church they they said he, he came in this morning. Good, that's great. So we start the service and still, you know, I wonder who this guy is. But before we take the offering up, this is made up now. But before we take the offering up, this guy stands up, has a huge roll of, of, of bills in his hand, and he starts rolling off a $1,000 bill to every, they make $1,000 bills? I don't, I, I, and, and he starts rolling off $1,000 bills to everyone. What was hidden has just now been made manifest. See, we say, well, Jesus is here. Yeah, great. If he's here, then let's, let's worship him. Let's pray. Let's set our heart on him. Let's wait upon him. He's worthy. And we come together, but we do that with an expectation that somewhere in the crowd, God's going to do something. Even in my heart. Because you say, well, what's in it for me? I'll tell you what's in it for you. You may be there. You may be in a, in a trouble spot, and, and you're worshiping, and all of a sudden God speaks to you and turns things totally around. I had a married couple come to me, and they had, they had been divorced from one another and, um, and had lived several years separately and came back, got remarried again, and uh, now they were having <laughs> troubles again. And they came into my office, and they, this is a true story. They came into my office and th said, um, um, Pastor, this is, we're having this, and we're having that, and all like that. I had never heard anything so bad in my life. I, honestly, I didn't know what to say. So I listened to them for about an hour and a half, and I said, Look, let me pray about this for a week. I need, I need a week to pray about it. Come back next week, and then let's sit down and we'll talk. I prayed that week. I couldn't get a word. Not a word. They came back. Uh, they sat down. And uh, I, I looked at him across the desk, and I said, well, I prayed. I didn't hear a word. They looked stunned. I said, I didn't hear anything. I believe this, this was the worst marriage situation I have ever seen in my life. I just told them that. <laughs> and I said, unless God does something, that I don't know what to do. And I don't want to waste your time, and I don't want to waste my time. <laughs> and... And they looked stunned. I mean, their eyes got about that big and stunned. And I said, I can't help it. I got up and walked over there and laid hands on them and said, I prayed in the name of Jesus. God, would you reveal yourself? And went on their business. They left. Well, they were in church. Believe it or not, they were in church the next Sunday. 
we were worshiping, and everyone, it was one of those moments, like we had a moment ago. We, you, you, you got up there and extended it a little bit so we could wait in the presence of God. That was one of those moments. Sometimes we just don't realize it and don't expect it. And someone I know got touched during that time in this, in this room right now. At that moment, when you, when you paused it, I believe Jesus spoke to somebody's heart just like that. And, so, and, and listen, anyway. They were there, and we were worshiping. It was one of those moments, man, and I opened my eyes. I was on the platform and looked out there, and he, his, he's still going to Gateway now. Uh, he turned to his wife like this and said something to her, and she turned back like that and said something to him, and they grabbed one another, <laughs> laid their heads on each other's shoulders, and just started shaking and weeping God healed the marriage to this day I've been hunting with him he's one of my best friends I have never asked him one time what happened I didn't yeah he became an elder at Shady Grove and and I didn't want to ask him it was it might have been just something covered that they didn't want to say I just knew that God healed instantly right there in the manifest presence of God and that's what happens so what what do we take back what do we get out of it personally whatever your need is come with expectation whenever we worship God on Wednesday nights on Thursday nights and Sunday mornings when we worship God come with an expectation because the Ark of the Covenant Jesus Christ is there and he's wanting to show himself in his love and in his power to touch something in you and change you and then we'll go out of here tell, talking to other people about you know what happened in our church service this morning and a buzz gets out Amen. and people start coming saying I want to, I want to get in on this and then we're each encouraged to move in a more supernatural, practical way as well. Does that make sense? We're, I don't even know where I am. In a, uh, let me see if I can mend this up a little bit. Uh, by the way, that's the manifest presence of God. I could tell you some more stories. I'm not, not going to take time to do that. In the... And, and I'm talking about personal stories that I've seen and my wife and I have seen at Shady Grove and, and, and Gateway. Uh, priesthood. Uh, the second thing, the first thing is the Ark of the Covenant. We need to have a respect for the manifest presence of God. Number two is that we are all called as priests unto him. And this is not the kind of priest we think of when we think of the Catholic Church or, or, or some other uh, faith of some sort that and we're not talking about those kinds of priests that intercede for other people Jesus is a high priest he's the only one we needed to intercede between us and God period he is the high priest the scriptures is very clear but here we see in in first uh, Chronicles 16 that he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to commemorate to thank and, and to praise the Lord God so so he says in First Peter chapter 2, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Would you say, I am a, I am a living stone? Would you just say that right now? I am a living stone. That's what Peter is saying to you, to us. I'm a living, and he says, being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to do what? 
to offer up, can you say this with me? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are, in Hebrews chapter 13, what does this say is acceptable offering to him? The offering of thanksgiving. And that is what he said over, remember back in First Chronicles? They said they were, they were giving thanks and and thanksgiving and 24 hours a day they were just lifting it up so we are all priests we gotta get it get that whatever you thought a priest was out of your mind the word of god says you as a believer you are a priest to offer up spiritual sacrifices and there's a list of spiritual sacrifices in the scripture more than just singing with the with thanksgiving with our lips but that's one of them and if we, will, if, if we will accept the fact that when I go to church, guess what? I'm going as a, as a priest unto God, and I'm going to function as a priest unto God, and I'm going to, I'm going to love him. Notice, I'm going to finish that scripture. Behold, it, therefore, in verse 6, it is also contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. Do you notice that? To, him who you, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected, he has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you... But you're not one of them, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you say, I, you say, I. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in trouble here. Let's, let's go. Let me let me end up. I, I had another story. I'm going to stop that. So we'll t tell you that one later. It, it's it's amazing what happens in this scripture right here. Whenever you say, "Okay, I'm chosen," I'm chosen. Number three, and lastly, we do ministry to the Lord. First Chronicles sixteen four, and He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the Ark of the Lord to commemorate, to thank, and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. Notice what happens. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manan, who also had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. They Notice what they were doing. This is the church in Antioch. They, as they ministered, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, the very first missions, foreign missions to take place, really foreign missions, was done in church in Antioch as a result of the, of the priest not really priests, but the ministers of, of the Lord coming together, ministering to him, and God spoke it. Churches who minister to the Lord 
will hear God saying, go do this, do that, do that, and begin to give direction to the Lord. So then, notice one other place. Um, at midnight, Paul and Silas, is in Acts 16, 25, were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Guess what? Um, what could what happened? Can someone tell me what happened? I didn't finish reading it. What happened? They were singing. They were singing to the Lord, and an earthquake came. The doors opened. No one left. The jailer came. He is, exactly, and no one had left. And all his family, and the church in Antia, and the church in, in Philippi was born. A church was born. These, these guys that had been out preaching, they put them in jail. They beat them with whips. They were bleeding. They put them in, in, in chains. They were in the inner part of the, of the prison. And I can, I can see Silas turning to him and saying, Hey, Paul, yeah, hey, uh, let's sing a song. S sing a song? It's dark. It's midnight. No, let's sing a song to the Lord. Let's minister to the Lord. Well, I don't, I don't know. What, what song you got in mind? Uh, well, let's sing. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we lift our voice. Or, or uh, uh, yeah, some song like that. And then, or, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made, that the Lord hath made. Maybe they would sing in that one. I don't know. But they were ministering to the Lord. And, you know, I heard a, I heard a African-American, huh? Uh, yeah, my sins are gone. And and there was a there was a there was a, I heard a, a, a African American pastor that I loved dearly. I I heard him preach this, not in person, but by tape. That back, back when we had tapes years back, and uh, and 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 he said he said. And and God is sitting on His throne, and you know the Scripture says the earth is God's footstool. All right, so He's sitting on His throne. And he hears some music coming from the earth. And he, God, and he goes, wow, oh, this is the day. This is the day. And so God, sitting on his throne, had his feet on his footstool, and he began to tap his foot. This is the day. This is the day. And the earthquake came and broke everything. Right? And so, so, so whatever situation we're in, Jesus is our ark. He is our, our, our presence and manifest presence. We are worshipers of him. We are Levites and priests unto, unto the Lord God. And we come expecting. And no matter where we are and what is happening, I'm going to go ahead and lift my voice to him. Whether I'm in the car, whether I'm headed home, whether we're having, I've had a bad, bad time, no matter what, what it is, I am going to lift my voice to him in my car. And God will change things. I promise you he'll change things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with just this last personal testimony, if you don't mind. I was going, I was going to uh, speak at a men's conference, a uh, business men's conference in Fort Worth, Texas. And I was on the turnpike and, um, between Dallas and Fort Worth. And it was raining cats and dogs, and I had my suit on and tie. And back then, we wore 
ties and suits when, when they ministered it. And I really like the way we dress now. This is so, I, I love it. And, and anyway, <laughs> and anyway I, I had a flat tire and it was raining. Pulled over to the side of the road. Didn't know. I, I, okay, I get out in the rain. It, it, in five minutes, I'm soaking that kind of a rain. Open the trunk, and my spare tire was that. was dead, gone, nowhere. I, I got so, I, I almost broke my toe. I, I, I kicked that tire of <laughs> the one down on the ground, bam, like that. And he said, what are you supposed to be doing right now? I heard the Holy Spirit say that. Uh, what do you mean? Well, you preach on it. Oh, I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. God, God, this is the day. This is the day. And I, I, I trust you, God. I don't understand it, but I trust you. And I, I was like, this is the day. A guy pulls up, takes me to get the tire fixed, brings me back, puts it on the car. I sat in the car with him, led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen. <laughs> He had just left his house. He had come home from work. He had notes. The house was empty. His wife had moved out with the kids, and he didn't realize it, didn't know it was happening. He was down. He, was, he started crying when I asked him about the Lord, and he started weeping. I led him to Jesus Christ. It was, just, it was amazing. And all because, I believe, I believe this with all of my heart, all because I, I said, okay, I'm not going to let this get the best of me. This is the day, this is the day. That, and it pulls up. That wasn't by mistake. I followed, we followed up on it, made a, a contact with him, followed up on it. His wife came back. The marriage was restored, and they were happy, and they joined the Baptist church and all got baptized. How how you like that? So that's that's what a, that's the tabernacle of David. That they said the tabernacle of David, and it will it will bring about miracles and signs and wonders. Now listen, what I'm wanting you to do to consider as we have the invitation, what I want you to consider is that that you would commit to, to being a person that God you'd say God just quicken my heart when I'm supposed to worship you. At home, by myself, wherever, just quicken my heart. If you're at work, go to the bathroom. That's a good place to worship God. It really is. Just go to the bathroom. Get there by yourself and just, just sing to him or whatever, you you know. But just do that. I want you to commit to that. I'm asking you to. I believe the Holy Spirit thing because you're, you're, you're worthy. You're not unworthy. You're, you're under the blood of Jesus. I know some people said, I'm not worthy to hold my hands up. No, you're not, but Jesus did it for you. You know what I'm saying? And so say, I want you to commit to that, that you worship the Lord with all of your heart, wait upon him, and watch him begin to do miracles, and then your faith will be encouraged. God bless you. Thank you for our time together. And Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.